are listening to For the Lore, the podcast that delves into the craft of our favorite games, whether lore, gameplay, or game design. Each week, Roger is joined by Joe, Vince, and Marty. Console has their console sellers, exceptional games which to most represents a reason to purchase a console. Often these games are exclusives, and as the medium is subjective, not everyone will agree with said choices. However, no one can deny a Breath of the Wild or Last of Us as a, a reason to own both a Switch and a PS4, respectively. Many pointed to Resident Evil as the console seller for the PSVR. However, it does suffer from one massive flaw, and that is that. It causes nausea with many who try it, myself included. This weekend, I found what I consider to be a reason to purchase a PSVR, and it is cute as hell. <laughs> <laughs> I pre-ordered Moss because when it was first announced um, quite some time ago, it immediately rang a bell for me. We've talked about Mouse Guard, an exceptional comic book series on Comic Book Informer several times, actually. And it's a series that I absolutely adore. My son and I have bought the issues, and of course we have them for a little while now, but uh, but would read them and, and talk about them. And it, it's just this fantastic universe wherein it's, it's a, a traditional fantasy story just told with mice. And this is very much that. Now, before I even get into the story... I've talked about this a lot with VR. Granted, you will notice I haven't talked about VR nearly as much lately. And that is because I've actually fallen upon a number of games that I feel do cause nausea. And that becomes very frustrating then. And you start to think, well, maybe this is just the way it's going to be. And I was fooling myself thinking that that there's... Uh, longevity to this that I can use it for pain relief and whatnot. There are, again, some games that are exceptional for, but man, I've hit upon a lot of them that are either not well-coded or the graphics are just off or, or any number of things with the controls most of the time or the camera. And, and it really is frustrating. Now, I only own the PSVR, so I can't speak to the other ones. One day, perhaps, but for the time being, it's not in the budget. But Mouse was different. Sorry, I, I, you periodically hear me say Mouse, but it's Moss. <laughs> so the thing that I've said many times with the VR that I've noticed and that many people have talked about is that level of immersion and what it does to you as a player because you're now in this world, if it's well-crafted. And that really changes not just how you see the story, but how you also interact with the characters in this story. Now for Moss, you don't play as the mouse. The mouse is a little female mouse, a little white mouse named Quill. You don't play as her. You actually play as, quote unquote, the reader. So when you first get into the, the game, you're sitting at a desk in a massive library and you have a book in front of you. It's meant to look quite old, you know, 15th, 16th century kind of thing. You got the candles going on and the leather bound books. And it's one of those tropes 
which we've seen a great many times for fantasy stories. However, the reason this time that I was all right with it wasn't necessarily because it was so well done. It was, but rather because this is also a game now that a lot of kids are going to be playing because it's geared for everyone, but a child can definitely play this in VR and enjoy it. Like our, our, our granddaughter is actually going to be, she just celebrated her birthday today. Happy birthday, Skylar. I love you. Um, and so they're coming over on the weekend and I cannot wait for her to try this game because it is so cute and so well done and so fun and silly and whatnot. And, and I can't wait, but I already know, like she's going to wander around and whatnot, but she's not going to be able to like really truly enjoy it in the same way that I have. But that's all right. Everybody's going to play it differently. But the point that I'm just trying to make is that this is a game for every, for all ages because of how well done it is. It's not just for kids. It's just that kids will be able to appreciate it. And because of that, the idea of getting them first swept in through a book, I think is actually important. We need to do more of that. Kids need to be encouraged constantly to read, to appreciate the wonder of literature. So in this case here, I actually think it's fantastic. So I'm very happy that the that that was in there. And so you you get kind of those moments, the history, the 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 passages here and there that you need to to progress a story forward and you find out that you are the reader and you are essentially a god looking down upon this world kind of thing. Uh you might not be a god. You might just be a human looking down and as fucking mice. So they see you as a god. It's never really defined. You're just defined as the reader. And but there's mysticism and, and magic attached to that because Quill only sees you once she picks up a magic artifact that she finds right at the beginning of the game, which it's just called glass. So once she gets this, suddenly she can see you. So now. When you go in, after you, you see the passages, which are a little bit animated and beautiful artwork, and the narration, oh, I wish I would have gotten the name. Vince, while I'm talking, can you do me a favor? Find out who narrated this. She is spectacular. Oh, my fucking Lord, is she ever good. Absolutely fantastic. And when you go in into the world of, of Moss, you kind of picture yourself, human being, kneeling down and like kind of hunching really low and looking at a mouse on the ground. That's your frame of reference immediately kind of thing. So whether you're standing or sitting, I play sitting, of course, then you you kind of flash in. Everything goes white and you just kind of fade in and... Quill is right fucking there. She comes out from behind a tree and it is beautiful. And like there's a, a, a bird that comes screeching down and everything scares the shit out of her. And it's well done. The canopy is beautiful. The forest is gorgeous. And then after she picks up the piece of glass, once she gets scared and she kind of ducks off and then the glass is there and she, she sees it and picks it up and then she notices you, the, the narrator lets you know, She's not afraid of you. She knows that you're kind and that you're not going to be doing anything bad to her. And so she kind of 
warms to you and smiles and things like that. And the I've I've mentioned before the the screen door effect that you get from the PSVR because of course the resolution isn't as high as some of the higher end models. But I found out actually that if you if you lean over so that Quill is an inch from your face, like it's surprisingly clear, like really fun. You can see the patterns on her fur, everything. And as you get close, you can also use the kind of ball of energy that represents what you grab and things like that over top of her even. And again, she looks like she's basking in the sun and enjoying it. And she'll wave at you periodically, reach out to touch you. And it's cute as fuck. (laughs) Okay. And the reason I bring that up is because we've talked often about characters that steal our heart. And recently, we talked about that, Joe especially, with Hob. And how we immediately felt this kinship to this this character and we want to see it do well and things like that. And we feel for it when it loses its arm and all kinds of shit like that. The thing with VR is that because you are, again, immersed in that world. I, I, I keep saying this, but it's it's so very true that until you try it, it's... It's like trying to describe a color to someone who has never seen color. You're sucked in so much more. And Quill, I apologize to Quill spontaneously when I accidentally (laughs) killed her. Okay? Now, that's not a joke. Now, I am an old bastard of a gamer that has been gaming for for, generations, for fucking decades, and... I don't apologize to characters when I'm playing them and they die. I was talking to Quill, our little dog that we have, when I talk to her. And my wife does the same thing. And it's just an expression that we've used with the kids as well when they were young. And many people do. It's just little one. And so we're always calling the the dog, like I, especially myself, little one and whatnot. And, And luckily nobody was in the room or around me as I was playing this game. Because I would find myself talking to Quill and saying, come on, little one, you can do this out loud. And I would catch myself and laugh. And again, and and this is not, again, a sympathy thing, but just to put things into perspective, it was a, it was a bad pain day. I was not doing well. And that's because I'd set up the mixer on Saturday. And this was just yesterday. Um, so I was up and down working on this fucking mixer all for hours and so I was in pain on on Sunday and I played through and I played for a few hours and there was literally just one moment where the nerve just shot and it was I felt the pain but the entire other time I was lost in this world and I just was again the only moments when I was taken out of it was when I was talking to her there's one scene like there's there's things that are metallic that you can activate you, I would have liked one of the few things that I will not complain, but I would have liked to have been able to use the hand wands, the move controllers, but it uses the actual controller, which isn't bad because, again, you're using the thumbsticks to actually move her as you would any character kind of thing. But still, and so when you are playing with the, um, the controller, you are kind of moving around here and there and you're grabbing things that are some things that are metallic to move them 
And I'd been playing for a while at this point and kind of, and taking my time though, because there's, there's hidden scrolls that you can find as well, because, okay, let me backtrack. When you each level, think of it like a platforming level, your character comes in most of the time, left stage, you need to get them either to right stage or far center. And then once they follow that path through, they disappear and it transitions into the next quote unquote level. And it's very much, it's fucking, if she had a rack, she'd be Tomb Raider. She'd be Warcraft because it's like, there's these ancient artifacts, there's these ruins and everything, but they're all mouse related. Like the statues are these warrior mice and all kinds of things like that. But it's all embedded in our world or a world very much like our own. Like there's a spot where you're going through a mire and when you look around, you can see that there was a, what presumably a Viking or Norse battle war that was fought there. There are swords that are dug into the ground. There's armor, there's helms, there's stored swords sticking through armor, all kinds of stuff. Clearly there was a battle. And these things are massive in scope for you, the player, and the mouse, clearly. And she's kind of running through different things, be it a helm or different things, kind of at different points. But it puts things into a perspective that is really fucking cool. And then you also have the natural environment. Like, literally, there's a spot where you have to make her jump across. She can't swim. So you need to make her jump across a, a very tiny little stream. Like, I mean, tiny. The smaller than your foot kind of thing. But you need to raise a few metallic uh, uh, platform so that you can jump across. But at one point, there's a noise, and you look up, and there's a massive fucking stag right there. And it's big. And it's just drinking. And behind it, there's a doe and things like that. The scope of everything around you reminds you that you need to be careful with this little thing, this little creature that you suddenly care very much about. And when I got to one area... There's these old, beautifully carved doors, again, very Tomb Raider-ish kind of thing, and she was standing there, and I moved the door to open it, and it happened to catch her and just kind of push her, and she I didn't move her out of the way fast enough, so the door just kind of went schmoosh and squished her. I audibly gasped, <laughs> apologized, and it was just... What made me laugh after was that it just came out. Like, there was no, like, clearly I'm not streaming. There was nobody around me. I, I wasn't trying to be cute or coy or, you know. It just was like, oh, shit, I'm so sorry. And, it, and you're going like, oh, for fuck's sake. <laughs> like, it's a game. But it draws you in. And at one point, you go to their little hideout that's fairly early on, and you can see all the other little mice there. And you look around, and they've built this little village inside of the trees using uh, mushrooms as stairs and things like that. There's a little uh, bridge over top of a very salt, small stream. Like, every level, I would stop, take a fuck ton of pictures, screenshots, and just look around. And... Every aspect was spectacular. And I found myself actually, and again, bad pain day, I'm leaning over. I'm putting 
the the footrest down so that I can actually scoot over to look around different places to find the hidden scrolls and stuff. And then it's like, oh, you got to go over here, Quill. Come on, let's do this. And you're having fun with your fucking mouse and getting the scrolls and then getting across. You're you're fighting these crabs that appear every once in a while. Like there's one area that felt like a gladiator <laughs> with these crabs coming towards you. And it was fucking epic. Like this game is again, in my opinion, and I'm not done yet, I'm still gonna keep playing it. But I already know I'm going to continue going back in as well to play it. Just because it was so much goddamn fun. This is not just, for me, a reason to purchase a PSVR. But now that they're also on sale, well, they were just recently. Also a fucking PS4 if you don't have one to play this. Like, it it's that good that I think it warrants, if you don't already have a PS4, both a PS4 and a PSVR just to play this game. And again, I haven't finished yet. I may change my mind later. But I honestly cannot think of a gaming experience that I've ever had like this. And I I don't want to say definitely I, I've never had one that I enjoyed quite as much as this because that's kind of, you, you know, you're, you're, you're swinging for the fences there. There's just, I've had a lot of fun in a ton of different games. But it was very, very different wrapped me up in the story and in the game and in the the character clearly i love this fucking mouse and the setting and everything on every single front it is amazing and the voice acting like i said which did you find who did that i looked at everywhere i could find and lots of people are talking about how great it is but no mention of the actress Okay, I'm going to do a little digging myself and see if I can find that because she deserves fucking credit. But anyways, so so that's all I got to say about that. I will be bringing it up again later on when I do finish it just so that I can kind of give another uh, wrap-up opinion of it. But it is by far the most impressive VR game I've played, and that's putting it above Bridge Crew, which I fucking loved. And this is just... It's a world that I want to inhabit for a very, very long time. And the fact that it exists fills me with so much hope that not just, uh, what is it? I think it's Polyarch. Uh, not just them, but everybody else is going to look at this as a template and come up with likewise creative stories using cute, adorable, whatever characters, but still make it impactful and and fun and and as engaging as this is. I cannot speak highly enough about this game. It is fucking amazing. Everything I've seen and heard about the game and just <laughs> your your personal uh, views of it is just further enhanced something that like I've heard nothing but great things about but like just hearing like your personal experiences and how attached you're getting to this little mouse that's to me fantastic. Yeah. The again for me the most telling thing is that I was talking to a mouse I and not just talking to it but in an affectionate manner you know what I mean I wasn't just come on buddy it was very affectionate to a pixelated fucking mouse and periodically I had to stop and just kind of like let that sink in because that doesn't happen. 
It was. Let me put it to you this way as well, because we're all the same thing. I mean, we're, we we all love sharing game moments that that mean a lot to us with those that we love and care about. And before I had gone far in this, I was already upstairs. Again, bad fucking pain day. I climbed up the stairs, went upstairs because my son was, it was Sunday, so my son wasn't working, so he was here. And I, I told Karen about it before I went and got him. Then I went and got him and I said, you got to come here. Like, <laughs> and he was playing a game too. It was like, yeah, 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 finish whatever level you're on, then come downstairs. Trust me, you have to see this. And he put the thing on and it was the same reaction from him. It was like he kept looking around going, oh my God, oh my, oh my God. And just looking at everything. And it's not because it was crystal clear, because once again, that's one of the limitations with the PSVR. I would love to see this game in a really, really clear VR setting. Oh my God. But even with the slight artifacting kind of thing, it, it just blows you away. And especially when you are in a setting where you can, you have a, a, a much deeper uh, depth of vision, then all of a sudden the... Uh, the the clarity doesn't matter. Everything kind of blends in nicely. Again, for me, it's a console. It's a reason to purchase a console. And with that, let's move on then. Okay, there was also some news on Cyberpunk 2077, which leads us to believe that this is going to be fucking awesome when it comes out too. It, very little bit of news, but in typical CD Projekt Red fashion, they said a lot without saying a lot. Exactly, yeah. <laughs> as far as the future of the game is concerned, still no release date very big when it's done uh, concept. Although CD Projekt Red is listed on E3's uh, website as being an exhibitor this year. So that's probably going to be our first good look at the game, but they've been given some interviews and talking at panels and all kinds of stuff, like nothing directly to the games media, but doing their thing uh, about what can we can expect from the game itself. And this is something that they are pouring every resource available to them. I think they said their team is now up to 300 people working on the game and they're treating this. It's not just, you know, something to fill the time before the next Witcher game comes out. They're treating this as their next thing. This is going to be their big franchise going forward. We probably won't see a Witcher game for a while if they're, if they're as successful as they hope to be. But they also say that this game is going to be bigger and more expansive than the Witcher, which terrifies me <laughs> dude that excites me are you kidding I put, if it was anybody else i'd feel differently but it's, well, it's one of those things i can't knock it because i put a large amount of hours into the witcher 3 without actually getting very far in the game adored every minute i spent with it but i'm also at a point where man these giant multi dozens of hours games I can play like one of those a year. Detroit. So, I mean, Cyberpunk might be that game and I'll play it for 18 months before I get to the end of it. Well, it's like Breath of the Wild. When I finally finished it, I still have the DLC to do, but I'm like, I kind of need a break. Give me a couple of short games, please. <laughs> yeah, that's definitely the way I'm feeling these days as well. But they're saying it's going to be bigger. It's going to be more ambitious. The stuff that they're saying, like that, they, this is a great time for a cyberpunk-style game to come out, which I couldn't agree with more. Cyberpunk is very hot right now, of course. Uh, Blade Runner 2048 is the name of the sequel. We've had a lot of great reviews, uh, lots of stuff coming out. Uh, Did you not Netflix. see that yet? I still haven't seen it. Oh, no. dude, it's 
fucking amazing. You like the first one, clearly, right? Yes, yes. It is. You'll love it. In fact, I'm going to say it here. We're doing it on Popcorn Ronin, so get watching. I, I know. Fuck, I it was amazing. It. It's just before I watch it, I have to sit down because Alicia's never seen the original. So okay. we need like a Wait, double movie night. Ironically, we <laughs> oh, did yeah. the same thing with Tristan. Not on the same night, but very close together because he'd never seen mm-hmm. the original either. Oh, we did the same thing. We had a, a house party. We watched the director's cut, and then about a month later, the we saw twenty forty eight in theaters together. So it's gorgeous. Mm-hmm. Uh, setting movie talk aside, <laughs> it, it's also that cyberpunk, when done right and when done well, is a very good avenue for social commentary. And God knows our world, not just America, but in a lot of other places really needs that kind of stuff these days and i'm really excited to see what cd project red can do with this i i have no reason to believe it's going to be anything short of stellar and if they're setting their sights this high and they're confident they can pull it off i have no reason to doubt them so this is based on the the original um rpg right like the pen and paper like this at least i i know i read that somewhere i i believe so yes have you guys ever played cyberpunk 2020 or 2077 no I've done Shadowrun. That's it. Okay, so it's based on an RPG where you can die in character creation. Uh, it's incredibly <laughs> detailed. Wait, and what? Yes. It's a thing. <laughs> the life path system. Wow. You can die. Oh, yeah. I played uh, I played like some sort of like roamer nomad dude that died in character creation. And my buddy's like, all right, just reroll that. Like, just keep in mind that if it happens again, you're going to have to start all the way over. So, yeah, that's hysterical. Okay, let's move on from there. Marty, what did you think about the uh, Black Up Club? Well, it involved comparing it to Goonies, Stranger Things. It's got developers from Bioshock and Thief and one other amazing game that is escaping me. But Thief Deadly Shadows was the game that captured me. So I was immediately... uh, enthusiastic about checking out what this game was going to be like and the, the basic idea it's also very similar to a uh, hot fuzz it sounds like where it, but instead of it being a cop or simon Pegg, uh it's teenagers who are investigating the disappearance of their friend uh and there's a boogeyman that's involved that you can only deal with when you somehow close your character's eyes and then the boogeyman comes up and comes up near you uh the developer is the question uh Makers of Bioshock and Deadly uh, uh, Thief, Deadly Shadows, like I said before, it looks really cool. Uh, it's a all platforms kind of game where we're gonna take a group of teenagers as they investigate the disappearance of their friend and why are some of their adults acting so weird? They're gonna have each power own powers and uh, abilities, and it's I don't know what they mean by that, like. One example that they used was like a kid could one kid could slide and one of the power sets that they're going to have is kicking indoors. Uh, I'm interested to see how they're going to write the kids because writing teenagers is hard. Yep. What's that? I said, yep, that's that's the big one for me, too. I kind of for me, it was more like I got a, an oxen free kind of feel with the, the teenagers there kind of mm-hmm. thing in the adventure. And for for me, that that game really was uh, um, a highlight in writing teenagers well. Kind of like, um, 
uh, Life is Strange as well. Again, you can write teenagers without it being melodrama 24-7 and whining and eye-rolling. And and so, yeah, it's all, like you said, it's all going to be in how well it, this is written. Yeah. Well, there's a reason why I typically avoid uh, teenagers it's, uh, and video games about teenagers. It's because I work with them and I want a break. But now that I just work with their whiny-ass adult com- uh comrades it's totally fine because i hate adults now so it's great um you just hate everybody full ages right now yeah. <laughs> i think i'm safe cranky old man is safe right now oh i'm i'm headed your way misanthropes are us anyway but what so there was one thing that did bother me um and it was a screenshot involving a character crouching on a rooftop with a crossbow and they were going to incapacitate but not kill an enemy and it just like, okay, I haven't had a kid shoot anybody with a crossbow, but I've had young people shoot at others with, you know, with BB guns and pellet guns and the occasional real gun. Uh, that Those are things that are designed to really hurt people. I'm not sure how you have a crossbow bolt that's designed to incapacitate somebody. But Arrow. Whatever. Arrow, it's going to be a punching. It'll be like a, 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 a punching glove kind of thing, <laughs> boxing glove at the end. <laughs> That's right. So it's going to be a young Oliver Queen, a Kate Bishop, and a Clint Barton, and they're going to investigate crimes like the Scooby Gang. It's fine with me. Okay, that sounds that fucking. Out. You no kidding? Yeah. <laughs> That's what the game sounds like. I'm I'm going to watch it. I'm going to play it. Like I am very particular about where I drop my money, and this show screw all you guys i've been spending more and more money on games that i'm playing more and more frequently welcome to my life for the last god however many years it's been that's all we've been doing as well buddy it'd be a lot (laughs) cheaper if this was a wow podcast and we only had to spend podcast you're finally getting the meta game it's not about what we want to talk about it's trying to get each other to spend as much money as possible yeah y'all are winning because i I can't afford this game but if i tell roger it's good enough he'll buy it and tell me about it Oh, well, I'm this is the game I'm going to buy for 2019 because that's when it's expected to come out. But I'm very excited. And I, once I get excited about a game, I want to know a lot more about the development process. And I'm probably also going to check out their other game, Magic Circle, which is about an uh, it's a satire about video game development with AAA titles. And I want to see what the what these creators have done before this new project looks uh, straight up my alley. That actually sounds interesting. Okay, and Vince, yeah. you wanted to talk about Monster Prom, which, <laughs> okay. <laughs> Straight up, I did not look at the trailer for it that you, you linked. So this, Oh, have oh. I got a game for you. <laughs> this is going to be the next game when we don't have anything to talk about. We'll trick Joe into this. So Monster Prom is uh, from a small little indie studio called Beautiful Glitch. It was successfully kickstarted late in 2016. And then, of course, on Valentine's Day, they announced that it will be available on Steam coming up on April 27th. So Monster Prom is, of course, a dating sim because what's we enjoy talking about dating sims on here every once in a while. But what makes Monster Prom unique? Well, several things make Monster Prom unique. But the most important thing that makes Monster Prom unique is that it's a multiplayer dating sim. Uh, thus far, it, you can play it by yourself if you want, of course. It can support up to four players right now, only locally. Uh, online multiplayer is on their to-do list once the game is done. And you can work together to 
get everybody a date for the monster prom, which is coming up in three weeks and you don't have a date for it or work competitively because, man, I really want to date the werewolf jock guy. And if you want to date him, too, we're going to have to fight out behind the school. <laughs> the concept is, yes, a monster high school. Uh, there are going to be six NPC characters uh, that you can choose to take to prom, if you will. And the players themselves are determined by taking a personality quiz before you start the game. And that will generate your stats and give you a, a player character to take through. It's all very interesting, very fun from the little bits of the demo I've seen that's floating around. And it's also very modern. Like we talk about a lot of dating sim types games and they're usually from the Japanese point of view, which is has their own unique view on romance. <laughs> but this is a very American side of things, very modern and very in your face. Like fashion plays an important part. Like you can actually buy like new outfits for your character to impress the person that uh, you're trying to woo. And it's, it's, it's very fashionable too. like looking at it like, yeah, that's that's a way, you know, young adults would dress. <laughs> and it's it, it can be crass at times, but always in a very humorous way. <laughs> Just as an example, that uh, personality quiz I was telling you about that you get to take. One of the questions that popped up in the demo. If you had to have sex with an animal, which would it be? <laughs> Guys, no, in a previous life, I asked questions like that of teenagers for their sex offender evaluations. So that's, well, then, that's let me know if you've heard any of these answers before. Okay. A dolphin. They're the only other animal that fucks just for pleasure. So at yeah. least we can both do our best to have a good time, right? Yeah, I, I got that one. A swan. They're kind of classy. Plus, it reminds me of that myth of Lita and the swan. So at least by bestiality standards, it has a certain chic appeal. None. Or a human being, because I'm the kind of douchebag who loves to find loopholes and stupid questions like these. Yes. So Two out of three. The tongue is so far into their cheek. <laughs> it's, it's absolutely absurd with a lot of these things, but in a very fun, lighthearted way. And the most, wow, the most important thing I've read on this game, straight from their website, it's in all of the their blurbs on Steam and everywhere. When they're running down the features of the game, the last one on the list is called Freedom of Choice. And it says, quite simply, monsters don't like boys or girls. They like monsters. The game experience is unaffected by gender or sexual orientation since finding love is already hard enough. Nice. Okay, that's good. Fantastic. Boys can date boys, boys can date girls, whatever you're into. If you want to be with a Medusa, that's a thing you can do. <laughs> <laughs> that's awesome. That is so, okay. okay, that's awesome. I guarantee you somewhere on or after April 27th on a certain live stream that many of us watch, you'll see me playing this game. It actually, it doesn't sound bad. <laughs> God. Like, we've seen a lot of dating sims and, and Otomes and stuff come across this podcast over the years. This is the first one that in absolutely no way I have looked at and nothing has made me cringe even a little bit. Dream Daddy's not cringeworthy. I'll give you Dream Daddy. Dream Daddy was fucking awesome. <laughs> <laughs> okay. And it's coming out when? Uh, April what? April 27th. Damn. Okay, it sounds interesting. Do they have a uh, price? 
Uh, I just closed the Steam page. Give me one okay, second to pull it back up. So while he's doing that, you guys will have noticed, of course, that Joe is not. Uh, it's actually not listing a, a price, but I would assume 20 bucks probably. Right. Okay. So, yeah, so Joe is not here tonight because he is uh, he's not feeling well. And uh, we had a couple of items that we were going to discuss with him that would have lengthened the show. But as we are actually done our show notes for, for now, let's just do a little roundtable anyways, just for what we are playing right now. I got a lot of time to talk about Moss. So let's jump to you, Marty, first. Uh, I'm going to guess Stellaris. Anything else either that you want to give your two cents on before we go? So I also purchased uh, where the water tastes like wine oh, you so did. one of the things i'm going to play tonight nice uh i yeah just bought it like last night but i have been playing a lot of stellaris uh 2.0 and just when i thought i understand what the game was 2.0 changes everything so now i don't know what i'm doing it's pretty great see that's why i waited i because I, I pre-ordered it as well and then when i found out what this is fuck that shit i'm just gonna wait and learn it on 2.0 okay yeah, that was a good move all right, and uh, Vince, how's uh, Monster, Monster Hunter World going? Oh, man. I, I don't know if you were watching my Twitter today, but I was deep in there. Like, I, I've i reached the point where the fights are, like, legitimately challenging, and, like, I need to, like, uh, today I fought uh, the Azure Rathalos, which is, like I talked about last week, a variant on the existing creature of the Rathalos. I fought Rathalos plenty of times. I can't have them, no problem. Azure Rathalos fucked me up like the first kill i got after 42 minutes and mind you it's a 50 minute time limit <laughs> Jeez, that's getting it close yes but i learned from the fight i went in better prepared the second time i had to hunt him knocked him out in 20 minutes so like i said there's so much to enjoy about the game not just the combat parts that it that i i still <laughs> i i've been stuck on the same story quest for probably a dozen or so in-game hours. Not because I can't do it, but because they loaded up my quest log with like 15 optional quests <laughs> and I'm having too much fun doing those. Uh, but aside from that, I've also been playing the hell out of Slay the Spire. Uh, you weren't here for that episode, were you, Roger? No, I wasn't. I assume, though, you listened to it because you had to edit the thing. I edited it, yeah. <laughs> I, you will love this game. The, the, I'm getting so much enjoyment out of it. Every single run is completely different. And having to, like I said, doing deck building on the fly based on the cards that are available to you and the relics that are giving you passive boosts, it's so enjoyable. Like, okay, I got this relic. How can I make this work with my deck? And like, okay, if I get this card and that card, it'll synergize together. And, and it's it's been an absolute blast. See, that's what I found with Golem Gates, which I did a feature on last week, actually, because they kind of incorporated a, a, a CCG, but in the form of, they call them glyphs. But because it's also a, kind of an RTS MOBA, now all of a sudden it's not just about skill, but also RNG. And it really changes things up because certainly there's the skill that goes into preparing the deck so that you get that synergy that you're talking about and whatnot. But there's then the RNG of it's not going to mean shit if you don't get the cards that you need when you need them kind of thing. So, so yeah, I will be checking out that game when I, I, I get the chance. Mm -hmm. And the best thing I can say about it, it's very rarely will you see me tout praises on early access games because... By and large, they're not great investments at the time. 
this is a game I would 100% say is worth a purchase in early access. Every single Thursday, it gets a patch. And that patch includes new gameplay stuff that's being introduced. Uh, just last week, they introduced a challenge mode, like a daily challenge with uh, special randomized effects that uh, further uh, increase the fun, <laughs> air quotes fun, <laughs> by throwing in different challenges or sometimes buffs, sometimes not. Uh, and balance changes, all kinds of tweaks, bug fixes, like... Since it's an early access game, they know it's early access. There is a patch notes button right there on the main menu, and it tells you everything that's that's changed, and it has been getting significant updates every single week without fail. Nice. When is that's it actually cool. slated to release release? Uh, they don't have a, a, a firm date yet. Yeah, still. It, with, with most early access games, it's like, okay, we're working on it, we're working on it, we're working on it. Uh, you know what? This is about as done as it's going to get. We're just going to call it released now. But as you're playing it, I'm assuming it feels fairly polished to you. Oh, absolutely. Okay. I, there, there is nothing about it I can look at it and say, this needs more work. Like, I, I can see some, you know, balanced stuff. Like, some cards are overpowered, some cards are underpowered. But that's a typical card game thing that you'd only notice after hours upon hours upon hours of playtesting. Okay. All right. Well, I'll check it out as soon as I can. I'm again. I'm planning out my games now. I, I actually I think I'm going to be diving into uh, Horizon Dawn soon because mm -hmm. that's the one that well Tristan and I have been playing the shit out of this season of Diablo three. Um, not because there was anything spectacular to to get as a reward. The I just wanted the bear, the bloodied up bear. That's all I cared <laughs> about. But then we got in and it's one of those things as I've said before on this very podcast, if you're away from it long enough when you get back in it's like, "Oh, this is fun. I'll play for a little while." And we've actually been having a surprising amount of fun to the point where I only need to do to level a gem to 50. And I'm actually going to be to get the highest rank that I've ever gotten in a season. They kind of changed a few things. Plus, I've been doing an, a Thorn Seder build, of course, and I'm soloing like 77, Greater Rift 77, wow. I think was the last one that I did. And there's no sign of slowing down either. So, like, I'm ripping through shit. So I'm actually going to finally fucking unlock one of the extra stash <laughs> tabs. I never was able to do that because it was just too much work and stupidity mm. otherwise before. But no. So we've been having a lot of fun with that. See, I was really excited for this new uh, season coming in Path of Exile. And I tried playing it last night and my computer is just, it's on its last legs. Oh, <laughs> Games that it used to be able to run no problem. Now it's just like, eh, this is too much work for me. <laughs> Uh, that's too bad. I actually, I we almost went like I almost picked up the uh, the new WoW for both Tristan and I because we were talking about it because the new forms came out for the Zandalari trolls. Of course, we're talking about WoW and fucking Joe's not here. <laughs> but uh, that's you, the best time to talk. Yeah, about really, because WoW. it'll be a lot shorter. Uh, Marty, are you actually still playing WoW? No, I'm thinking about re-upping, but I just haven't really had the time, and most of my people are doing something else these days did you see the druid forms for the zandalari oh no <laughs> that bear is fucking awesome that's not a bear that's a turtle <laughs> it's <laughs> the, <like a> gamera <laughs> it's amazing and i'm not even a big troll guy but like the boonkin form looks amazing the uh tanking form is a turtle and not the 
stupid turtle. I like the turtle, but oh shit. Uh, Marty in the area with the volcanoes, the turtle that's a volcano that has a stovepipe on it. Angoro? No, definitely not. I'm talking way newer than that. Anyways, but it's just the entirety of this skin for the turtle. Or the, yeah, the, the the Guardian form is gorgeous. And I never fucking say that about Druid forms because they always fuck something up. It's beautiful. And then the, uh, the travel form is a raptor. Looks gorgeous. Like, it's really impressive what they're doing. So anyways, Tristan and I were, were shooting the breeze about it for a while. And then we were looking at the allied races. And it's one of those things where, again, it's... I've never thought a different race is a reason to go back in a game because you get tired of the race after a while. It's just a fucking race. As cool as it is initially, it wears thin if you're not enjoying the content of the game. And so um, we were talking about it a little bit, and I was saying, well, you know, if you want, because uh, his birthday's coming up, I said, I can pick it up for you, and we can play for a month or two and, and just to have fun for a little while. We came this fucking close <laughs> to get back into WoW, and it was like, Jesus, that was scary close. <laughs> 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 so but yeah it's uh some of the stuff that's being said is actually sounding fairly good i was ch- chatting with joe about it too and it sounds like it's sounds like there's a lot more going on and not just this stupid faction war which is what i thought was going to be absolute stupidity and it sounds like there's a lot going on behind the scenes as well that should be showing up so that's kind of cool so you can check out the uh, show notes at For The Lore. Of course, you can find us on iTunes, on Stitcher. You can also find us on Twitter at For The Lore or individually. Joe's not here. Is at Loader's at J. Vince is at Simonian. Marty is Officer Gleason. And I am Zen Buddhist. And with that, we will see you guys next week. He goes by the name of King Creole. You know it's gone, gone, gone. Thank you for listening to For The Lore. If you'd like to hear more from the guys, check out Popcorn Ronin with Roger and Vince, a movie, TV, and anime podcast as well as Lore Watch, a Blizzard lore podcast co-starring Joe. And if you're into comic books, check out All Comics Considered with Marty and his crew. Lastly, thanks to Manelli Jamal for the show's theme music. You can find him at manellijamal.com as well as on iTunes and help support this incredible musician by picking up his CDs.